reading scripture this morning from the book of Matthew, and we're reading in Matthew 26, and the, and the title of the message is Willingness Dealing with Weakness. Willingness Dealing with Weakness. And so let's stand together, and if you turn in your Bibles or pay attention to the scripture, 2636 of Matthew. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here, while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, what, could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And so Judas came with with the band of soldiers that came to take Jesus uh, away for trial. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, uh, we bow before you this morning, thankful for your love and goodness to us and for the words of Scripture. We pray that you'll help us, dear Lord, as we look at the word this morning. Encourage our hearts. Lord, uh, thank you for the good things that we see that are taking place in various ways. Uh, efforts that are being put forth and God's word that's being disseminated. We ask that you'll help us, dear Lord, to be faithful, to be energized, to follow in what we know is right in our lives, to glorify God and to help those that are around about us. For all you do, we'll give you praise, asking these favors in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated for the message. And so uh, we're looking at a phrase that Jesus gave. And this is the only place that it's given in Scripture uh, where he says that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's in verse 41. And uh, remember what is taking place here. If you're not really familiar with Scripture, 
This is the time when, after the Last Supper when Jesus went with his disciples out to the Mount of Olives, down to the bottom of the Mount of Olives to where a, a, an olive press uh, was located. It might, have been a, it might have been a community thing because there were a lot of uh, olive trees and so it might have been uh, something that everyone that had olive trees that needed to press olives uh, could use that press. And that's what Gethsemane means. It, it, uh, it, it means an olive press. And so uh, it was a place that Jesus went to often, something that Judas knew about, even though uh, plans had not been laid out that Jesus would absolutely be there. Uh, Judas knew where to find Jesus when he went to a place of prayer in that area. And so uh, Jesus goes with his disciples. They still have that uh, area, and uh, there's still some old olive trees there. They say that date way back that the olive trees live a long time. And... Uh, so I was, I was in that area uh, where they have those olive trees roped off. And uh, so uh, Jesus goes there to pray, uh, realizing that uh, this is the night when Judas is going to betray him. He's already prophesied that, that he's going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners, that uh, he's going to be uh, turned over and and uh, he is going to be crucified uh, and uh, he is going to suffer death uh, for the sins of the people. So uh, the scripture says that he went to this place uh, and Jesus, be sure in your minds, Jesus was not afraid to die. We think about these people that... that uh, die as martyrs for the Muslim religion. And, uh, and you say, well, Jesus was afraid to die. These people are not afraid to die. Jesus was not afraid to die. Jesus had no fear of death. Uh, it was in his power, it was in his control uh, whether or not these things would unfold and happen to him. Uh, he still had the power of choice and he could... He could have chosen to sidestep it, but if he'd done that, there wouldn't have been any salvation for us. He had to die. It's called a vicarious death. Uh, it's a death that he died for others, for us. Uh, as the sinless son of God, he fulfilled all the law, and he fulfilled not only the moral law, he fulfilled all the other law that was in the Old Testament. He lived a perfect life. And so he was the one who could give his life for others because he did not have to die for his own sin because he had no sin. And if someone tells you that even Jesus was not perfect, they are telling you something that's not true because Jesus was perfect he was perfect all the way through his life. And so he had no sin. He participated in all the 
ritual and so forth, baptism, to identify with us, not because he had any personal sin, not because he had done any wrong. And so uh, when he comes to this time uh, going uh, to give his life, why, why was it such a dreadful thing? Uh, he, he talks about the cup in verse 39. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Uh, I, sometimes, you know, when I'm channel surfing, see what's on, uh, I come down to this, what it, I think they call it the fear factor or something, and, and uh, they got people that, that are uh, eating worms and, and garbage, and uh, it doesn't entertain me very much. I don't, see, I don't see much entertainment in that, so I just flip on and go to somewhere else. But of course they're doing it so they'll win a prize, aren't they? They want to get a bunch of money. And uh, so, so they have to eat all this gooey, gory stuff. Um, great green gobs of greasy, grimy gopher guts. Uh, itty bitty birdie's feet. Uh, uh, there's something else in there. And mutilated monkey meat. And that's kind of what they're eating. And, and then the, the rhyme goes, and me without a spoon. Uh, so, yeah, all kind of sickening stuff. Uh, so, you know, when we're kids, when we're growing up, we're, we try to make things as, as uh, sickening as we can to other people and so forth. <coughs> and so... Excuse me. Um, what was in this cup? That's where I was going when I got onto mutilated monkey meat that I couldn't remember. Thanks, Reverend Young. Um, what was in the cup? Well, I'll tell you what, it was a whole lot worse than anything you see on Fear Factor because the cup that Jesus was going to drink was a cup of abomination. To God, it was something that made God sick. It was something, yes, it angered God, but it made God sick uh, because it had child molestation in it. It had murder in it. It had it had all kind of slander and lies. Everything that was against who Jesus is was in that cup. Jesus had no, never violated any of the laws. And in that cup were all those violations. How about the death, even though it hadn't happened yet, of all those Jews by Hitler? Uh, I, went, I went through uh, the memorial in Israel, uh, Yad Vashin, I think is what it's called, uh, told about the kids that were killed. Uh, you weren't allowed to take pictures in the memorial, uh, but it, it, it uh, had the atrocities that took place 
that took the lives of so many Jewish individuals uh, only because they were Jewish. Uh, Hitler hated them, and uh, he tried to annihilate them. So uh, it, had, it had all that in that cup, the murderous acts of people like Hitler and Mussolini. How about uh, Putin or Putin? Uh, how, about, how about him and the terrible things that he's doing? Uh, a cold-blooded killer and, uh, and doesn't care. Uh, bombs hospitals or whatever he wants to do. He's, he's, a, he's a, a violent individual. He's, he's a cold-blooded killer. Look in the cup. It's in there. Could he be forgiven? He could be, but not likely he will be. Uh, we've heard that uh, people like, uh, uh, you know, that have been uh, molesters and have actually uh, been uh, people that have killed other people and have, have eaten their flesh. Uh, that that they've gone to prison uh, and have prayed and asked forgiveness and and have confessed that they were demon possessed, that they were doing things that the devil brought into their mind, into their into their consciousness, that they followed uh, all those things. So enough of that. Let's get out of the cup, right? <laughs> Uh, terrible, terrible things that have been done uh, by human beings. They were all in that cup, and Jesus did not want to drink that cup. That's what, that's what caused him such grief and agony. He did not want to drink that cup. Think of the things you've done in your life, things that you don't want publicized, and things that you're glad your friends don't know about. They're in that cup. Jesus drank that cup. But before he drank it, he had, he had such a terrible, uh, terrible uh, feeling about drinking that cup uh, that he had lived a pure life and now he's going to drink this cup with all this filthiness in it, even though his life was clean and pure. So he needed, he needed those disciples. He took the three, Peter, James, and John, uh, furthest with him and asked them. Of course, the others he wanted them to pray to, but he took these three the closest. He said, uh, watch and pray. Well, Peter, you know, he was the one who said, if everybody turns against you, I'll be there, even if I have to die for you. Uh, I'll be there. You can look back in verse 31, see that, where uh, uh, Jesus said all are going to be offended. In verse 33, Peter says unto him, though all men be offended, I won't be offended. I'm not going to turn my back on you, Jesus. So now he said, he's told, stay awake <laughs> and pray. 
And Jesus goes the an hour, however long it was, uh, comes back, and he finds him asleep. We know they didn't know everything that was going to go on, and we don't know uh, what they had been through that day, but we're told in verse 40, 43 that their eyes were heavy. Isn't it amazing how heavy your eyelids can get? Uh, sometimes it's like their, your eyelids weigh 10 pounds. Uh, I have actually stood uh, in, uh, by a payphone years ago in Dial's Humble Oil. Uh, and I was so tired because I had helped, helped uh, on butchering the night before. Hadn't got enough sleep. And I stood there and I remember guy that worked there, Daddy Don, called him Daddy Don. <clears throat> he said, I don't think I ever saw that before. You were standing there asleep, talking on the phone. I was leaning back in the corner. <laughs> I'd, I'd gone to sleep. <laughs> he said, first time you ever saw that. Well, we can get pretty tired, can't we? And... Uh, how about praying the same thing? Some people say, you know, I, I say the same words sometimes. What did Jesus said? He went back in verse 44. He prayed the third time saying the same, same words. <coughs> Wouldn't you think Jesus could have a model prayer there for us and do a whole bunch of different words? He prayed the same words. So we can pray the same words. It's okay. Just don't make it humdrum and routine. I'm sure it wasn't with Jesus. He prayed with all his heart. And so when he comes back uh, to see if they're supporting him, he needed support. He needed their friendship. He needed their, he needed their association, but they were not there for him. Uh, he, they find, he finds them sleeping. I thought it was a wonderful thing that Jesus said after he saw them sleeping, where he said there in verse 41, spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. He, he realized they did have a desire, that, that their desire was to do what was right, and some way or another they could not they could not stay awake. And so it is Jesus who says that. Uh, I think Jesus said that because Jesus knew what it was to be very tired and very weary. Remember, he's the God-man. He is God, but he's also man. So he knew what it was to be very tired, to be exhausted, um, so the spirit is willing yeah the, the spirit says let's go let's, let's get it let's get it done uh, you know old age teaches you a little bit about that doesn't it you start out in the morning and you say I'm going to do this and that and this uh, and then you kind of will don't you 
flesh is weak. Uh, you say, well, maybe I need to spend a little time in the recliner and re rejuvenate myself. And I hope I don't sleep the whole day away uh, because there's things I need to get done. So Jesus had a human body. It says in John 1.14 that the word was made flesh. He had a human body. And his human body could only take so much. And we could go into all, all the details about things that Jesus went through as a human being and how he suffered as we did. Uh, but he knew the limitations that his human body could endure. And he felt them very, very really. So... Um, we, we find that uh, Jesus had gone through a difficult time. If you look at Mark chapter 4, verses 36 to 41, <clears throat> Mark chapter 4, verses 36 to 41, uh, it's kind of easy to read over this, and I've mentioned this before, but you probably don't remember it. Uh, but if you do, good for you. Um uh, in in uh, Jesus had Jesus had uh, talking had spoken to the multitude in verse 35 of chapter 4 of Mark uh, he said to the disciples let's pass over unto the other side so they're there at the sea of Galilee and uh, they sent away the multitude they took him even as he was how was he why does it say that? They took him even as he was in the ship. And at this time there arose a great storm of wind and waves beat into the ship. And the, the, the original language actually indicates it was, it was a storm like a, like a hurricane or a tornado. Um, one Bible says hurricane, but it was whirlwind, so I, I say tornado. Uh, so you have the Sea of Galilee below sea level, 690 feet below sea level. Down here at the, at the base of Mount Hermon, and it's way down in. Mount Hermon's way up here. 9,200 feet. It's on the border of Syria. And they, they ski there. There's snow there. And that's where the water comes from. Some of the water comes in and makes the Jordan River. The melting snows that come down from Mount Hermon. And so you can get a terrific blast of wind coming down through from the mountains, the higher elevations, down into this very low area. That's what they had. Jesus had been, looked like help to be put in the boat. And I know we say, well, you know, Jesus was asleep on a pillow, verse 38 says, and they had to waken him up. 
Master, carest thou not that we perish? He arose and rebuked the wind. Peace be still. <coughs> the wind ceased. It didn't even take time for the weather to settle down. It just quit right now. You know how it is you get strong wind and then you get a little lighter wind and then, and then you get a little irritating breeze where you have to pull your hat down to keep your hair from blowing all over your place and, and having a bad hair day. So it wasn't even that way. It just quit. There was no wind. After all this terrific velocity of wind that had swept down through there, and so I said, who is this can do this? Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. Uh, Jesus is the one that told him to get in the boat and go. You know, could that storm have swallowed up that little boat? Well, the songwriter said that the storm could not swallow the boat where the master of heaven and earth lies. They all will sweetly obey thy will. Peace be still, peace be still. So here you have, here you have this, this great storm and these waves. Now these guys were fishermen. They'd been on the lake a lot of times. But they never saw anything like this. Do you know what a water spout is? They have them up on Lake Erie. Yeah, and it picks water up, and it can dump it in your boat, and it can just swamp you, and it can just, it can just send you to see Jesus. That's what it can do, because it's all at once, and, and it's there. It's nothing that has to do with being a good pilot. It's there. Well, do you think that the waves could have come into the boat and engulfed the boat and taken the boat down? Use your imagination. Here's Jesus. I think that wind and waves and water could have done whatever it wanted. And that boat could have gone down as it were underwater and it still wouldn't have sunk because Jesus was on board. I think it would have stayed afloat. So he said, oh, you have little faith. So then they got scared, didn't they? After the storm, after Jesus calmed the storm, they were afraid because they've got God in the boat. The storm outside the boat was scary enough, but now they've got God in the boat. And there, the scripture says that in verse 41, they feared exceedingly. They feared exceeding. Looks like they had more fear then than they had of the storm when they realized who was with them in that boat after that storm was over. And so um, Jesus knew what it was to be tired. Uh, when Jesus did miracles, did did it expend any energy? Did he expend any energy when miracles were done? Uh, remember the woman that touched the hem of Jesus' garment 
and uh, it says uh, that when the multitude was coming behind him that they were bumping into him. And remember the disciples thought he was a little silly when he stopped after this woman touched the hem of his garment. He stopped and he said, who touched me? And the disciples are like, why are you saying who touched me? Everybody's touching you. They're touching us. You've been in a big crowd before. Everybody with Jesus, everybody wanted to be close. They wanted to be the one next to him. They're, they're bumping into the disciples. They're bumping into anybody that's between them and Jesus. They want to get to Jesus. But here this woman that has an issue of blood somehow is able to get close enough and reach out and touch the hem of his garment. And she has the faith to believe that Jesus can heal her, and she is healed. And so Jesus, the Bible says, that Jesus felt virtue go out of him. And that's why he said, who touched me? Because it was a touch of faith, wasn't it? And actually energy went out of Jesus. How much, how much energy went out of Jesus to heal that woman. We don't know that. We know he is deity. And, and he did feel that dissipation of energy from his body as she was healed. And so the scripture says <clears throat> that they're wondering... Uh, how, how he would ask that question. Uh, you can look in Mark chapter 5 and you'll find that story. Uh, and it says there in verse 30, Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him. That's when he turned around and said that. Jesus knew what it was to have his energy zapped. He knew what it was to be human. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 that he was made a high priest so that he could feel our infirmities, our weaknesses, our lack of strength. So what does he say? <laughs> the message is Yes, we have a wonderful Savior. Yes, we have a Jesus that can forgive us. Yes, we have a Jesus who can take care of us. Yes, he was human. He knows all about us. He knows our weaknesses. And it's telling us that he sees when we have a desire to do his will. And that goes to our credit, folks. The Spirit is willing. What if the Spirit isn't willing? 
It doesn't matter how good a shape your body's in. If your spirit's not willing, you sit at home in front of the TV, stay in the easy chair because your spirit's not willing. It's, it's not worth the effort. Uh, you join others that are doing other activities and so forth because you just don't have a desire to do those things. But praise God for those who have a willing spirit, who want to do God's will, who want to be in God's house. No, they're not waiting till everything's perfect. And then, and then they will respond. They're not waiting for that. They are being all they can be with their human weakness, with their failings, with their faults, they're doing what they can do. And God sees the spirit that we're trying. I remember being at a service that was at the Performing Arts Center at Ohio Christian University. And we had camp meeting going on, and I thought, my goodness, that was a short service. <laughs> then I realized I'd gone to sleep. <laughs> And that's why the service was short. I woke up close to the end of it. <laughs> so it really wasn't a short service. It was the same length as ever. And it, it was lunchtime. Uh, but I always hope when that happens to me, I have a friend that's close to me. If I start snoring, uh, they'll elbow me or do something so I don't make a spectacle out of myself. Uh, or drool, you know, that's as bad as snoring if you start drooling while people are looking. Uh, so you don't want to do that. So uh, God looks at the willingness, and I'm glad he does. They used to say about one of my professors, uh, George Blackstone. Uh, George, an older fella, uh, very knowledgeable, uh, was a professor at, at uh, Circleville Bible College, that's what it was called then. <clears throat> but they would be preaching and George would, George Blackstone would go sleep while they were preaching. He was supposed to be grading them. But he'd, he'd be asleep. <laughs> and, uh, and they'd say, well, George Blackstone's dreaming better things than what they're preaching anyway <laughs> uh, because he had been a servant of the Lord so long. I want to share a story with you. We're getting close to the end of time, uh, but it's found in Acts chapter 20, and because I won't take this just by itself to preach, I want to just add this to what I'm telling you about, about uh, having a willing spirit and, and doing what you can to be in God's house, even when you're not 100%. But... But you say, at least my body's going to be there. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, the neighbors are going to know I pulled out. And I'm doing what I ought to do. I'm going to God's house. Look in Acts chapter 20, verses 1 to 12. Boy, maybe I ought to cut some of this off because I was going to say more things about this. <coughs> uh, we're going to break in on it at verse 7. And you don't have to stand, Okay. Uh, so this is, Paul has been 
on missionary journey. Uh, he's headed back to Jerusalem. Uh, he comes to a place called Troas, and upon the first day of the week, he's been there, he's going to be there seven days. This, this is the last day he's going to be there. He's going to leave tomorrow. Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, now that means they were having communion, probably. Uh, and they did it on the first day of the week. Why did we worship on Sunday? It's the day Jesus rose from the dead. And so that's what the early church was doing. Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. What time did service start? It didn't say it started at 7 o'clock, but they probably had an evening service so the people that worked through the day could be there and hear what Paul had to say. Paul had a lot to say because there was a lot of things that happened on those missionary journeys, and the reason he was at Troas was because they were trying to kill him right then. The Jews in Corinth would have would have killed him. He wanted to get, get back to Jerusalem for Passover, and there were a lot of pilgrims that would get on the ship there in, in Greece and head to Israel. But he didn't do it because there was a plot against his life. And he knew that likely there were people that were going to be on board that ship, and suddenly Paul was going to come up missing. We don't know what happened to him. He was on the ship, but we don't know what happened to him. So Paul didn't get on that ship. Paul went by land up around through Macedonia and another way and avoided their plan. But he didn't make it to Jerusalem for Passover. He was trying to get there for Pentecost. But they were also carrying a bunch of money to give to the poor people at Jerusalem, the poor Christians. <coughs> And so the Bible says he had a lot to say. Plus, he had a lot of gospel to preach, didn't he? How about that? People that don't have anything to preach, and the Bible's full of the gospel. And, and we need to read the word and know what the word says. Well, I better go on or I'm going to keep you too long. And uh, there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. So they were in an upper part of this building. There sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus. Say that with me. Eutychus. Eutychus. Yeah, it's E-U. So if you look at it, you say, uh, how do you say that? Just forget the E. Eutychus is how you say it. He was fallen into a deep sleep. Huh. This is the great apostle Paul that's preaching. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you go to sleep when the great apostle Paul is preaching and telling all these wonderful stories that happen and how his life has been threatened and telling about wonderful visions of heaven and so forth. Paul was long, as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep. So he not only went to sleep, you know, he was in the he was in the drowse. You know what I mean? You're in the drowse. And then and then then it goes a little deeper. 
and then you sink down. <laughs> and if you got a woman there with you, uh, she's going to elbow you about that time. <laughs> well, he didn't have any woman. He was probably somewhere between 8 and 14, according to what the Greek language tells us. Between 8 and 14 years of age. Well, I say praise the Lord for Eutychus because he was in the meeting. He was a teenager and he was in the meeting. He didn't have to be there maybe, but he was there. Maybe he went to this window area because the Bible says that there were many lights. Now, you know, we didn't have the electric light then. They had to have oil burning, didn't they? There were many lights. They're in this upper part of this building. It's not the upper room where they waited on the Holy Spirit. This is somewhere in Troas. They got a big meeting area. And they have all these lights and all this heat's coming off. The fumes are coming off of these lamps that are burning with the fuel that they used. And Eutychus starts feeling, he thought, well, if I get over to this window, I can sit in this window. There'd be a little air movement here. Good thinking, Eutychus. Only uh, he's sinking down with sleep. Uh, oh, it felt so good. <laughs> you know some of the best rest you get sometimes in church. <laughs> he's all sunk down. And suddenly, he takes a trip out the window. Fell down three stories. They were up on the third floor. He fell all the way down. And Dr. Luke tells us he was dead. Dr. Luke would have known. Say, Dr. Luke? Yeah, it was Dr. Luke. We are told that he was a doctor according to what Paul said in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 14, he calls Luke a doctor. Yes, primitive in that day, but he was a doctor. And he tells a lot about the healings of Jesus. He must have been greatly intrigued with Jesus healing people and seeing how disease was conquered. No wonder he wrote Luke and Acts for us. He was a Gentile, you know. He wasn't a Jew. And he still traveled with Paul, and he still wrote those books for us. Well, he says Eutychus was dead. He was dead. He fell three floors, three stories. Yeah, he was dead. Paul hurried down there where Eutychus landed. Paul... It looks like Paul went down. Looks like he embraced him, doesn't it? Fell on him. He didn't come from the third floor and fall on him too. He walked down there, however you get down there. Then he came down on him, hovered over him, and embracing him. He's embracing him. And I can see Paul as he's doing this. He's praying, oh God, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And the Bible says, Paul, Paul says then, it's okay, folks. 
his life's in him. Didn't break his neck, didn't break his back, did all that fall. Paul said he's okay. And the Bible says in verse 12, they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. You know, that means they were a whole bunch comforted. It wasn't a little bit of comfort. It was a whole big bunch of comfort that Eutychus was alive. But I believe he was restored to life by the prayer and the touch of the Apostle Paul. And so the service was over, right? You can't go on with church now. You, you got a man died. You're, you're going to have to have some respect, aren't you? No. When he came back up, when Paul came back up from the lower level, they finished the communion, ate. Maybe they had a fellowship meal too. And he talked a long time, a long while, even till the break of day. Church didn't get out till sunrise. So he departed. Yep. Did Eutychus stay for the rest of the service? I don't know. Do you think Eutychus was glad that he went? I'd say he was. I would say he was glad he was there, even though he was tired. I would say that everybody else was glad that Eutychus was there. And God moved in a special way on Eutychus. Yes, the spirit is willing. Flesh is weak. Let's keep a willing spirit. Let's do what we can do, even though we may not be tip-top. We can be like everybody else and just do the best we can and be here for fellowship, be here for instruction, be here to share in communion, be here to smile and encourage one another and find out what the latest news is about the sick and afflicted. Praise God for his blessings. I find myself just sometimes, you know, outside, just thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you, Lord, for what I get to see and enjoy. I want to tell you, I want to tell you, you know, when, when it was church time at our, church, at our house, when it was Saturday night, it was going to be church the next day, Dad loved to watch wrestling. You know, he, he thought it was real. Uh, it was the early days, you know. You had, you had some real, real actors in there uh, that, you know, they would, they would throw each other around and so forth. And Saturday night was when it was on, and it went past midnight. I remember Mom saying, you know, Lawrence, at church in the morning. Need to shut that off. Need to shut that off. You know? You got something going on, big activity? Let me tell you, whatever the big activity is, 
If you don't survive, it don't have to get done anyway, does it? If you do survive, you can do it on Monday. Just let it go. Lord, give me strength and help me. Sometimes you get a better idea that goes better for you anyhow because you waited and because you realize that what strength you have comes from God and you give him his time and worship him and glorify him. Well, that's it. I've unloaded the load, so y'all can stand. <laughs>